Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I'm sitting down with Mari Kauperman, Head of Marketing, Demand Generation, Digital and Channel, and also the Chair of the Marketing Review Board at IBM Australia and New Zealand. That's a mouthful, but welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Um, Look, uh, and the reason we're catching up is that we're both on the uh, AdTech Sydney Advisory Board, and you'll actually be doing a presentation next March, won't you? I am indeed, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to be talking about marketing transformation and the need to be doing it every day. And and it's a very broad topic. Um, It covers uh, the marketing organization, the people, capabilities, but also the new mindsets, because I believe that the old tricks don't apply anymore in the new world, or the old tricks may come back. And and consequently, I believe all CMOs and anybody interested in marketing or in marketing needs to be constantly monitoring and analyzing um, on a daily basis to make sure that, that we are optimized in terms of our client value as well as our function overall. Absolutely. And look, um, I don't want to uh, have any spoilers because I think uh, I'm looking forward to your presentation uh, in March next year. But um, one of the things that amazed me is that you've had a very uh, yeah, successful and also duro- enduring career at IBM. And IBM's a really interesting company because people would see it traditionally as a B2B company, but it also has many clients that are B2C. I imagine that's quite an interesting uh, landscape to be working in. Uh, Look, it certainly uh, has been and and continues to be. Um, And I think, you know, nowadays, you know, B2B or B2C, I think I look at it more as B2I and business to individuals. And technology has a lot, um, a role to play in that. But we're getting better and better as marketers understanding the needs of our clients and the clients are actually driving the way that we go to market. And and we'd like to, in the old days, we'd like to think that uh, B2B decision makers don't actually eat and sleep and are not emotional or have a weekend and, and hang out with their family and friends. But in fact, they do. Yeah. And we actually They're now human have, beings, you well, mean. <laughs> absolutely. And, and we have actually research that shows us that. And, and now that we're making uh, decisions on, on media, etc., we are sometimes surprised that um, the media selections that, that we're making. Um, so I don't think that whilst we can still define markets that way, I think we've got to look at client value and regardless of which market they're in or we are in as customers and clients, it's really coming back to um, connecting uh, decision makers with organizations and ecosystems to drive value and personalization at scale. It is bizarre, isn't it? Because as marketers, we're human beings. And yet organisations that we often find ourselves working in will have a totally different perspective to their own customers. And one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of B2B companies still almost think of marketing as support of sales, whereas B2C often has marketing leading with sales supporting it. And in actual fact, it's almost the ideal situation is a blend of the two, the two working hand in hand, isn't it? I completely agree. 
um, the partnership between sales and marketing and marketing having a voice in the senior executive level is really critical. Then once marketing is part of the strategy development, then I believe it's the role of the marketing practitioners to then make sense of the overall business landscape opportunities and challenges and then construct the marketing strategy and, and, the, and oversee the implementation of it. Um, I get asked a lot uh, about you know, uh, what's more important, um, the, the strategy or the execution or the work or, or the creative or the message or the offer. Ultimately, all that matters. Uh, and it's just the balance of what matters more in, is, is it can be determined by the industry that you're in, the size of the organization that you're in, and part of your overall overall strategy. But I do agree that the days are over where marketing sits in the different floor and does its own thing and the rest of the organization does something else. That's probably not a winning strategy for any organization's shape or size. Yeah, because uh, I get asked the same question, what's most important, I go the results. You know, ultimately, the whole reason that marketing and sales are there are actually to create customers and maximize the value for the customer, but also for the organization. It's funny how, especially the larger the organization, you get these territorial plays where people almost um, want to separate themselves from each other. But for the, the customer, the consumer, their experience of the brand is both the marketing and the sales. And the procurement, yeah. the, the, all the entities that have touch, touch points with, with the clients. That's when I think um, things like the NPS that yeah. really drive direct feedback from the clients is, is so fundamental to organizations. But I think also um, this idea is that, that if we all work collectively together, and we all bring our subject matter expertise onto the table. That's that's where magic happens, mm. not in silos or restrict uh, restricting one function from another or sellers more important than the marketing people or, or vice versa. So I think we've also as marketers have matured and hopefully have matured in that sense that ultimately business outcomes matter. And numbers matter. And, and one of the advice that I give young, young marketers who are starting their career is to be very blunt and say, know your numbers. Mm. Understand the numbers. What is the, what is the outcome that you're trying to achieve? Make sure you have KPIs that measure it in the business terms. Then you have your marketing metrics and you can all feel very good about clicks and, and the rest of it. But ultimately, the business outcomes are the ones how I define the success of marketing. And um, my experience is all the most successful marketers can read the balance sheet, read the P&L and understand which of the metrics are going to be of interest, not just in marketing, but to the board and the C-suite. Yeah. And I think that's where we're headed. I mean, I'd like to think that marketing uh, and marketing as a function is headed to the boardroom because we have a lot to offer. Mm. In We bring to the table analytical thinking, understanding of the client competition, market dynamics, we know how to make markets, how to capture them, how to manage brands, um, and understanding the client from end-to-end -end perspective. So 
um, I'm all um, a big advocate for ensuring that that we find a seat not just in the senior exec levels but also in the boardroom because I think we can mm. we can play a big role. I think there's also you know because a lot of people at the moment are talking about marketing driving growth. You know, um, you almost can't go to an event without someone doing the talk about growth, 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 but. In actual fact, the role marketers have uniquely in most organisations is representing the interests of the customer or the consumer because great marketers do have that depth. And it's in it's an understanding that supersedes sales because sales is about taking our product and service and packaging it in a way that the customer will buy it. Marketers usually or should have a more holistic view of the customer and a more intimate view, don't you think? Uh, absolutely. And I think the other role we have is to drive the needs of the client and an understanding where the client is going next mm. and understanding the buying behavior. And I mean, if, if you look at um, some of the examples of where product development benefits mm. from, from a marketer's point of view or market point of view and cases where we've seen that where the organizations haven't followed that or have not followed or understood where the client is going to go and and have you know fa- failed mm. in that space so so absolutely I think the balance is going to be um, understanding and and making sure that like I said before that that all parties come together so mm. it's not about marketing necessarily marketing led sales following but it's about everybody coming to the um, the table and and having those cross-functional teams which agile is all about mm. where where everybody's vote or point of view counts but as long as everybody um, work to a same common goal then you get emotionally um, and um, uh, you know, committed to the task or the task at hand in terms of who is going to do what and how do we best uh, get the uh, return on investment. We've um, worked with a lot of companies that have uh, uh, claimed that they're becoming agile or embracing uh, agile philosophies, and yet they still have traditional silos and this agility operates within the silos. And and it's uh, it's interesting to watch the frustration because it's not really agile, it's sort of a, a scaled down um, uh, contained version of it. Um, do you think agile is possible in large organisations? Um, yes, I do believe so. Uh, we um, have been, or I have been practising agile in the last two to three years. And my uh, passion is for agile in marketing. Mm-hmm. And in, I look at it like a new way of doing things. This comes back to the idea of a, a old tricks or new tricks and new mindsets. And what it does in large organizations is empowers people mm. uh, to make decisions that traditionally would have been made by those that were more senior or older or had a particular office uh, power. And it gives the power and the decision-making to the team that are actually experts in the field. And if you're a very new, um, uh, a young marketer in organization, it, it may be very hard to, um, to have your voice heard. Mm. But Agile flattens the organizational structure and, and gives everybody an opportunity to speak up and work to the common goal. So we've had, uh, we've run quite a few Agile projects, some within IBM and some also with... Um, with our agency partners, and the feedback has been phenomenal. 
in just being able to, uh, with a client and agency, traditionally can be master-servant kind of relationship. But to actually just get put, put the titles away, put the seniority away, and look at what is your role in this team? Why are you in this team? What's your subject matter expertise? Or what are you responsible for? And then sprinting, working every day, makes people very emotionally connected to the mm-hmm. work. And, and that, I, I think that's, that's when we start to see results that we've never seen before. And speed. We um, took a campaign to market in six weeks, which traditionally would have taken six months. Yeah. So it, is quite, it can be quite dramatic in terms of the shift in thinking. Not without its challenges. Um, it tends to work really well on a good day. And on the bad day where the pressure comes in, people tend to revert back to their old roles, in particularly in the client agency team that, um, that I, I was a scrum master for. Um, but I'm a big advocate. I think it's like learning a new, a new language. Right. Uh, people don't have to be fluent today, tomorrow. They start today. But there are some methodologies or principles um, that apply to marketing really well. So, and once you start on that journey, it's hard to go back. Look, I, I think the um, the application of agile processes to strategy development and um, developing uh, uh, executions, the, the area that we see it falling over is in implementation because so much of the traditional implementation of market uh, advertising, marketing, collateral has always followed a very linear production process and to see... Uh, especially agencies, get their head around the fact that, no, we're not going to operate in a linear approach. We're using an agile approach. As you say, you know, you stand-ups where people get to input, review and share and then the sprint and then review and mm-hmm. learn and test and learn. Um, really, a lot of agencies struggle with that. You, you were able to break that down all the way through the process? or You know, um, it's a really interesting question and... Um, a lot of it in our case um, had to do about uh, developing a social contract. Right. So the social contract says up front, um, and, I, and I use this term, everybody's baby is ugly, so we all have to be comfortable with 30%. And that is uncomfortable for agencies because they're used to presenting work that they believe is perfect. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. So, you know, everybody... I love that. Sorry. That is a terrific <laughs> philosophy because... It's even getting from the 90 to the 100%. They spend so much time and effort just trying to do that. When in actual fact, if you're testing and learning, you don't need to be 100% right all the yeah. time. So, so we were very... Um, so if that's part of the contract, mm. then you know it's 30%. And we talk like that now at IBM. We mm. say, this is 30%. Mm. So red pen, great. Ugly baby, very happy for it. But it takes a bit of stamina to be able to then accept that people are going to have very varying point of views. The other uh, trick, I guess, to share is we have no more. We no longer have luxury to have relays, and the relay is somebody briefs somebody, and then we brief somebody, and then somebody approves somebody's brief, and then we have response to the brief, and mm. and that that relay is very time consuming. So. We, I've banned relays Fantastic. And, and we do things together now. We sit down and we write it together. So it becomes ours from the start. Mm. We have a, uh, many years ago, more than a decade ago, a, um, 
an automotive company, we worked out it was 27 steps to get anything approved. 27 steps up through the organisation and back down again. And that if they could just shorten that to three steps, it would save them about $2.5 million in creative fees a year. But they could not change. Even with that logical and, and well-calculated saving, it's because that's the way it's done here. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you need to... And we, as marketers, need to start breaking. Now, I'm not suggesting that Agile is the only way to break the mould of 27 approval processes or things take six months to take to market. Mm. Um, there are probably other great ways that my, my fellow marketers can, can share uh, with us but for us, for a company of our shape and size, I've been very uh, delighted to see how people shift their thinking and, and get faster and, and figure out ways to get stuff done quicker. Doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the quality of work is compromised. In some cases, the quality of work is actually higher mm. because there is that daily connection with the people there is that understanding that everybody's got their kimono wide open and and we will you know succeed together versus somebody in the team is going to take the credit for the work of the team mm. so this is about collaboration and i know that's a word that gets thrown around a lot but in actual fact because collaboration is built on openness and and trust um, between teams and working and being aligned to a common objective rather than working to different uh, di or pulling in different directions. But technology's played a big role, hasn't it, in moving organisations from these very traditional linear factory approaches to this more agile or, or collaborative approach? Um, I'd like to think that they have and I'd like to think that technology uh, plays a big role in that. I think also it's about mindsets. Mm -hmm. I do think it's about having to think differently and having an, a growth mindset uh, to be able to think about what is what are the requirements of the future. And I, again, I, I come back to this idea that marketers should be thinking five to ten years ahead mm -hmm. and then bringing back where are we today and how, how do we get there. And, and yes, the technology will continue to get the bigger and better, and, uh, and and that's okay. But it's not technology alone because it's about people who solve problems, mm. who find solutions, and creativity and problem solving are the skills that are going to be continue to be required even in the new world where we talk about artificial intelligence or um, automation uh, in, in, in high degrees. Do you think that the perhaps the technology uh, has sped up the pace of things happening so that and, and also removes some of the sort of drudgery that has been traditionally part of work, even in marketing, so that it actually then creates an opportunity for this thinking, this thinking about growth rather than just doing, this thinking about focusing on strategy and, and customer rather than, you know, executing plans. I think that's part of it. Uh, mm -hmm. We have, uh, by design or by default, become more efficient in our in our um, in our operating models because of technology. Because you don't need the pool of typewriters writing letters to clients or uh, whatever the case may be. We can press a button and send five million emails 
all personalized and customized based on the data that we have on those customers. Exactly. So so we're much faster in doing that. But I don't think that's alone um, a contributor. I think also we all work harder than we we before. Um, Long gone are the long lunches. (laughs) Uh, What, no um, martini at lunch? No? (laughs) (laughs) Those Fridays where, you know, the, the people went not seen in the office and... And also budgets, um, zero-based budgeting. It's no longer what you had last year and maybe add take 10% off productivity gains or add 10%. So we're having to spend very wisely now. So it's about smarter marketing. It's about making decisions faster in order to be able to make sure you're not trying something for a year and go, well, that didn't work out well. So you actually, you, you know, you become so data-driven, it's like driving a helicopter and you're having to, you know, keep driving but keep looking at making sure you're not hitting trees or, uh, you know, crash landing. Mm. So you're having to constantly monitor that everything is optimised. That's the world that we're in today and that's why transformation cannot be a yearly cycle or even a six-monthly cycle. It has to be daily now. Yeah, but also has to be long term as well. We need long, a long view, long, long a medium view. view, and a short view. That's exactly right. Yeah, what are we going to? How are we going to change now? How are we going to change in the medium term? And then, what's our long term vision? Because that's one of the things that concerns me. And and you you're talking to the choir in a way because uh, one of the biggest frustrations we see, first of all, resources are diminishing. Um, just generally, companies that are not uh, in du- double-digit growth and not investing mm. the way they did in marketing and sales. But at the same time, options are increasing almost exponentially. And we see so many marketers caught in this trap of wanting to do everything with less resources. And uh, one of the uh, the key things about strategy is the strategy doesn't just tell you what to do, it tells you what not to do. And do you think that's also one of the big challenges for marketers is that, you know, with so many demands and so much pressure to do it all, that sometimes uh, strategy is not living up to expectations? I agree. Um, but also, I think the strategy can be sound, but you're, you're not your ability to execute the strategy mm-hmm. uh, is not there. And then you have to go back to the strategy because I do believe that the strategy and the execution need to come ha- be ha- you know they be- need yeah. to be aligned and work hand in hand. Um, but sometimes when you build strategy, you're assuming that you have a certain amount of budget, certain amount of people, and that the market that you are serving or would like to serve behaves in a certain way at that particular point in time. So even when you look at long-term strategy development, it's not something you can develop and put it in a in the cupboard and in five years' time take a look at it. I think you have to be constantly mm. balancing between that short-term, medium-term and long-term and adjusting. You know, mm. it's almost like, you know, adjusting daily because I don't believe we have the luxury anymore to think of them as two different tracks. They are one journey that that have multiple dimensions. And I worry sometimes that people have lost the sight of the longer term in the rush to, uh, to see results very short term. Mm. And, and, um, and we are very short term focused nowadays and 
yes, we have the data now at our fingertips to be able to make decisions very fast. So for me, the, the for example, data is all about having the data, understanding the data, having knowledge, but making, you know, and, and wisdom based on that data. So it's actually not the data in itself that matters. It matters because you need to baseline and you need to, need to have it. But it's actually then working out what you do with that data and what decisions that you make. And I've seen where the data has, has given you suggested uh, paths that, that make no sense. Mm. But I've also seen where data absolutely proves and has proved us wrong or has proved us right. Yeah. And, and that, again, comes back to managing marketing and having a, a sound strategy that is executed on the daily basis and monitored on the daily basis. I think part of that was the way data was described. You know, there was this big discussion about big data, big data. And, you know, from a mathematical point of view, the more data you have, you know, the, the, uh, the big number effect um, makes your observations, predictions uh, more rigorous. But the focus is on the data. It should actually be on the insights. That's why it's exciting for me to see data visualisation as such a big growth area. Because in a way, millions and millions, billions of data points uh, is very hard for any of us, especially working in marketing, to because you need a certain numerical uh, view of the world. But when you can see that visualised and you can start to see those patterns, and from the patterns are potentially where your insights come from. I think that's the really exciting part, where data suddenly becomes more accessible to people. Because the number of times I've spoken to marketers and they go, oh, that's for the propeller heads. Yeah, it's such a quaint old term, isn't it? But it's for those uh, those white coat people. I, I've never met a data scientist that wears a white coat. But um, I think that's the exciting part is, as you say, where do, can technology get us to the point of taking data, giving us information, insights, then knowledge, then wisdom? That's right. And, you know, ultimately <clears throat> it still comes back to the client. Mm. It, 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 you know, whether and understanding whatever means you get there. Sometimes it's about talking to the client. You don't need big data or big data pools. You just say, hey, what do you think? Mm. Uh, and, uh, and, and it could be as simple as that. The challenge is personalization at scale. Yeah. And that's where data and technology play a role because then you can start personalizing in a way that that is cost effective and provides you that return on investment versus having to do one-on-one -on -one marketing, yeah. which none of us really have a luxury uh, luxury to do, nor do I think it's the, the, the um, ultimate goal anyway. But personalization at scale, doing one-on-one -on -one marketing for 5 million or 5,000 or 500. Now, that's powerful. Mm. That's very powerful. And this is where I think, um, you know, a lot of talk about artificial intelligence or machine learning um, will become such a great tool to actually do that because you can personalize at scale, but then to collect the data on how people respond to that and then be able to learn and then modify that personalization is the really interesting thing. You know, when we're doing uh, not just 10 customers, but a million customers, you need that sort of uh, technology to do that. I, I see that as the big, uh, the big 
opportunity with AI. What about you? What's your perspective? Um, you know, completely agree. Uh, we have um, started uh, looking at AI in our event space mm-hmm. and building personalized event journeys that start, let's say, from registration or from inviting uh, people to events and then basically screening in registration in terms of interest areas um, and then tracking the journey on site to say mm. whether it marries to what you actually said at registration, which then, and this is very marketing driven, and then you can have our sellers follow up mm-hmm. based on not just, hey, I, you know, that, I hope you had a great uh, time yesterday at our event, but to actually, without sounding too creepy, uh, you said you were interested in blockchain, yeah. but then when you turned up, you actually went to the other booth. So how, what's that about? Um, but those insights uh, that we were able to gather and the technologies that are out there today mm. uh, in being able to not understand you as a person at scale, because mm. we're talking about five, 600 people yeah. uh, at our events in some cases, and then being able to understand what your journey is ask you along the way how you're enjoying your journey and then looking at what the future is going to be between um, you know us and and you in terms of opportunities uh, whether they are new opportunities or uh, progressing the opportunities and that's really important you know then that's where the marketing and sales handshake is very evident mm. because we you know we have a role to play up front in the in the in the funnel and the sellers take the um, uh, take the lead on the latter part. So mm. um, we've um, we really um, enjoyed some of the the technology um, developments that we've been able to leverage and and use within our in our own event space. Well, I think you know technology is so rewarding when you get something back from it that either surprises you or delights you or challenges you. You know, just to have the technology is not the solution. It's the implementation. But I still think there is always going to be this and and excuse the. Um, the gender bias, but man and machine, that there will always be a need. You, you use the term creepy, you know, and I think that's the role that marketers and salespeople will always have to play, is how do you make that experience? How do you ensure that the use of the data, the algorithm, the insight, comes across as a human interaction, not a creepy human interaction? And... You're spot on, and the generation after us and after us are even smarter than we are. Yeah. And uh, they've all born with a mobile phone in their, you know, in their hand, and that is a tracking device, mm-hmm. in a way. So we will have to buy, and that's the futuristic thinking here. We'll have to find ways because uh, those, you know, my my daughters, for example, they already know. We know that how they're being tracked, and mm. they're very smart. And we we maybe still think, oh, that's interesting, um, but they already know the game. So, so and that's they a challenge. It. They're gaming it to their own benefit. You know, they know how it's going to be used. Whereas, you know, I was uh, searching for a car. I'm thinking about buying a new car. I'm and assuming it was a red one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was actually silver. But um, <laughs> but it was interesting because I googled the car and then the next day an ad from exactly the same manufacturer turned up on my Instagram and you know normally I'm going Google Instagram and then I went of course the app is on my phone I, I searched on my phone it has access to everything I gave it permission to have access to everything I do on my phone 
how silly am I that I got a shock that this happened and made me suddenly <laughs> feel very old. Well, well, there is there is that, and that's why we need to make sure that if we, because the decision makers, uh, as we're getting older, the decision makers and our clients are getting younger. Mm. So we need to make sure that we keep our tools and our techniques and our approaches sharp, and ensuring that that we engage uh, whatever organisation you're in is in line with the values and the missions of the organization mm. and aligns to how the decision makers or clients want to perceive us. And that's a challenge because we're going to get to a point where we know exactly what you do and when and where and how. We become very predictable, I believe, as human beings, as consumers and as decision makers. And the challenge for us and the opportunity is to be respectful but at the same time smart in terms of being able to be, to engage in the way that is brand enhancing or client value increasing yeah. versus the opposite. Yeah. And that um, that takes me back to where we sort of started here because uh, you talk at AdTech, you said to paraphrase is sort of what's old is new and what's new is old. Um, because in a way, it is going to be that combination. You know, we don't want a generation of marketers that are going to learn by making all the mistakes that we made. But also, likewise, we need a generation of marketers that will embrace the opportunities that are being presented by the new. The new technologies, the new opportunities, the new ways that people interact with, uh, with these diff the multitude of channels that are coming at them. Um, I, yeah, absolutely. Um it's a bit like if we think about medicine. Mm. Medicine is medicine, but the way we go about applying and, and how that how we practice medicine is very different than it was uh, you know hundreds of years ago. Marketing is not hundreds of years. Well, you could argue that it <laughs> has existed. Yeah. Uh, it's existed the second for oldest profession. Well, yes, yes. Let's <laughs> let, let's stay on this. You know, maybe a slightly uh, closer to our generation here. <laughs> Um, Post World War II, most people assume is modern Philip, marketing. That's yeah. right, and and Philip Kotler. If yeah. you have done any any yeah. courses at the university or any other um, educational institution, the the principles are the same, mm. um, but the new mindset, new ways of doing things have absolutely changed, and the complexity mm. Uh, mm. and the the challenges. But the challenges were always there. And I, I, I think we, what we need to do is just be continuously monitoring, making sure our toolkit is sharp mm -hmm. and broader and bigger and making sure we choose the right tools. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that's a great opportunity, whether you are early in your career or a seasoned CMO, um, you will get left behind. But it's actually not the profession or the function, it's the clients will leave you behind. Yeah because they're the ones that are leading the demand, leading they're, the change. They are driving us. Mm. They are Look, driving us. It's been fascinating. Thanks for making the time. I'm really looking forward to uh, listening and seeing you uh, present at uh, AdTech in Sydney in, in March. Uh, is there a speaker that you're particularly interested in um, listening to on the day?